So yesterday, the World Health Organization raising the alarm about the rapidly emerging COVID vaccine booster plans that are rolling out in many different countries. Uh, Hungary, Israel, U.S., as you know, a handful of other countries around the world have already announced, in some cases have already started booster shot programs, a third shot of COVID vaccine. Uh, Meanwhile, the vast majority of the world's population continues to wait for their first shot in many cases. Uh, It's causing a lot of concern when you take a look at the bigger picture. So to get some details on why we should pay attention to this, we have Dr. Colin Furnish joining us, an epidemiologist from the University of Toronto. Uh, Doctor, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Good morning. Thank you. You know, taking a look at what's going on here, and you see a lot of countries rolling out a third vaccine. Uh, United States, Canada is sort of talking about it in some cases. We see it happening in Hungary and Israel and other places. Um, and then you look at what's going on in other countries where they haven't even received a first dose. The inequity is is pretty blatant, right? It is, and it's compounded by the fact that travel is something everyone seems to want, right? So we could actually reduce global risk by reducing travel and say, okay, we can't vaccinate the whole whole globe at the same time, but we can stop it spreading by by limiting travel. But we don't want to do that either. So we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want everyone vaccinated. We want third shots here, and we somehow want the rest of the world to get taken care of. It doesn't add up. And the risk here, of course, and we've been told a million times, the more the virus is able to freely circulate among the unvaccinated, which is the majority of the global population, the better the chances that more variants will emerge and the vaccinations we've already done are more in jeopardy, right? That's entirely possible, yes. And, you know, I don't want to fearmonger on that, but that's pretty much the mechanism by which variants emerge. They find new populations or new niches to exploit, and it's made worse, actually, not so much by, well, by unvaccinated populations, but also partially vaccinated populations, mm-hmm. because now you're actually giving the virus some exercises directly against the vaccine, but in small enough proportions that give it a chance to find ways to escape. Is that inevitable? No. But COVID has been producing scarier and scarier variants, and we don't know what what might come next. That's that's empirical. We have to wait and see. You touched on something there, and I wonder if you can clarify it for me. When we talk about unvaccinated versus vaccinated, we know that you can still contract COVID-19 if you're vaccinated. You can still spread COVID-19 if you're vaccinated. So what is the benefit to being vaccinated? From what I understand, your chances of spreading it are less, and we know severe outcomes are less, but can you break that down, make it clear for us? Yes, and I think you actually summarized it very well right there. COVID doesn't know if you've been vaccinated or not. So if you decide you're going to conduct yourself in a way that you get exposed to COVID, it'll go in your nose, it'll go in your throat, it'll start to reproduce because that's what it does. Your body will clear it and it'll clear it quickly. The Delta variant is really uh, notable for the fact that it produces a very high viral load early on. In fact, vaccinated and unvaccinated people tend to have really high similar viral loads. So for that first day or so after you've been exposed, whether you're vaccinated or not, the the two populations seem to behave about the same. It changes after that. So people who are not vaccinated will often go on to develop very serious illness. People who are vaccinated are far less likely to, about 80% less likely to develop serious illness. Now, 80 is not 100. Mm -hmm. And so what I say to people is it's kind of like a bulletproof vest. It's not completely protective. You can still get shot in the head, right? So just because you're wearing a bulletproof vest does not mean that you want to step in the line of fire. Just because you're vaccinated does not mean that you want to go and get exposed. The, the, The best outcome with vaccination 
vaccination is everyone gets vaccinated and the virus stops spreading. So you don't actually need to make the choice of whether I'm going to get exposed or not because it's not circulating. That's that's the ideal. That's really what we want to get to is the herd immunity. Yes. That is the virus stops circulating, not individual immunity, which is, again, it's better to think about yourself as disease resistant than to think of yourself as immune. As immune, exactly, because you aren't. So basically what it does is it shortens the window of the time that you are able to spread the uh, um, the virus, right? If you're vaccinated, like you say, you can come into contact with it and it will land on the surface and in the na- in nasal passages and things like that. Uh, it doesn't move beyond that typically, but you're, the amount of time that you're contagious, I guess is the word, is much shorter. Uh, we think so. The data is still really spotty on that. But as the infection progresses and goes deeper and deeper into your lungs, you're more likely to exhale smaller aerosols directly. So the, the more deeply infected your lungs are, the more aerosols you're going to be exhaling. And people who are vaccinated are much less likely to have the virus creep in that far before the body's immune system responds and, and clears it. So it, we, we don't still have just a great understanding of the mechanics there of just what it looks like right. to be vaccinated and to be and to be infected. But hospital serious disease, that shows the outcome right there. It, we shouldn't be looking at case counts. We should be looking at adverse outcomes, hospitalizations. Exactly. Um, so getting back to our discussion about the international community and how we do there, um, the numbers are really very low in, in the majority of the countries around the world. So in terms of timelines, I mean, how many doses, w- w- when you see countries stockpiling doses and, you know, Hungary saying, hey, we've got 8 million in stockpile here. We're, we're sharing 1.5 million, but we've still got 8 million in, you know, stockpiled here. Um, is, is, is there going to be a greater push? Is the international community going to recognize this, do you think? Because we've talked about this for a while. Why aren't we fanning these out as quickly as possible? Well, there's, a, I think, a few things there. One is that governments that get elected uh, know who their voters are and really want to be seen to be absolutely right on top of uh, being, being able to make vaccines available. Governments were burned for months promising vaccines and having a slow rollout. And, and so I think just as people who were raised during the Depression, during poverty, sort of penny pinch for their whole lives, I think governments have remembered what happened in their first few months and, and, and a lot of public discontent with slow rollout. And so they want to know that they've got enough yeah. vaccine hoarded that they're not going to have that criticism. Also, the amount of hoarding that's going on is only a drop in the big global bucket. And I think that's, you know, we need billions of doses, not millions. That's not to say that millions won't help, but we need billions. It's even worse than that. We can't just later these vaccine doses and expect them to end up in arms. A lot of the countries that have the lowest vaccination rates also don't have a public health infrastructure, right. which means there aren't people <laughs> and there aren't syringes and there isn't a way to actually connect vaccine with arms. And given that it has to be stored at ultra low temperatures, the logistics are daunting. So we have multiple problems here. It's not just the number of doses and, and getting them on a plane. It's getting them into arms. And that's actually the harder part. Yeah, still so much work to do. I appreciate your insight. Thanks very much, Doctor. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks. That's Dr. Colin Furness, who is a epidemiologist at the University of Toronto.